I mean, this is just absolutely, positively unbelievable. I, I knew Washington was bad, but like, come on, this is one for the history books. We got to get all in to what just went down on Capitol Hill. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am Trish Regan. This is the Trish Regan Show. We're brought to you, as always, by our wonderful friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. We can talk about the markets in just a little bit. But first, to the news of the day. Holy moly. By the way, I wasn't even going to have a show today. I actually had some stuff going on. I'm like, okay, I'll take a day off. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I was actually in New York City. I came back because I was like, I have, I have to talk to you guys about this because this is not normal behavior. There was this contempt hearing, you see, that they were hold, holding on Capitol Hill, and Hunter was required to be there, but he, he said he wasn't going to show up. He tried to go by Zoom. That wasn't going to fly, and they're like, we're going to hold you in contempt. So then all of a sudden, he shows up at the contempt hearing unannounced. He, like, crashes this hearing and well, uh, uh, then he then he walked out. Let's start with this. Just watch him walking out. This is one of the highlights. We got a few highlights. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair recognizes Miss Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> oh. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Burst their bubble. I mean, well, so why bother going, buddy? Why bother going, right? Like, you walk in and then you walk out. And Marjorie Taylor Greene kind of calling him out on it, shall we say. Marjorie Taylor Greene, like, wait, wait a second. Why am I? You don't want to answer my questions, buddy boy? There were a whole lot of moments. I want to go to this one. By the way, it didn't really make anyone look good, I'm just going to say. Because it, it kind of like went down into the gutter like really fast. Here's Nancy Mace, and she gets into it with a few of them, a Republican congresswoman. Take a look at this clip. First of all, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and... M Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, if the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. And Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter speaking. Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? You keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law on, come on. and the premise come that on. the law applies equally to everyone, no matter what your last... Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Uh, you know, and, and it got wild from there. I mean, this whole thing was just a you-know-what show, which is basically what the country is right now. I mean, let's be honest. This is rather emblematic in, in many ways, right, of where we are as a nation. And by the way... What the heck is the deal with the Republicans? I mean, why haven't they arrested the guy? Why haven't they come forward with more? Why haven't they actually launched a full-on impeachment? Why aren't they actually willing to try the president for some of these alleged crimes? I mean, 
I've looked at the documents. I've looked at all the financial documents, and I think there's enough there there that you ought to be asking more questions, and you ought to be able to hear the truth, both from Hunter and the president of the United States himself. I don't need to remind you all, but hey, it's kind of awkward and kind of weird that Hunter Biden, whose only claim to fame was getting tossed from the military because of his addiction issues, suddenly gets an $83,000 a month job on the board of a natural gas company called Burisma out of Ukraine while daddy is vice president. While simultaneously, that very company that's hired the kid, the kid, he's not a kid, right? He's older than me, by the way. He is not a kid. The kid gets his job, 83K a month, along with his associate, Devin Archer, also 83K a month. Neither of them deserved this. And that company happens to want... Victor Shokin, who was then the investigator, the government investigator who's digging around into Burisma, which is now a totally defunct energy company, they want him fired because they don't want him digging around. And sure enough, Joe Biden did it. He got the job done. He told them, hey, you're not going to get the billions of dollars worth of aid unless you fire the prosecutor whom he accused of being on the take. You know, just so we remember why this is all a problem. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff. I mean, a whole lot of other stuff that's rather, like, frankly, just inappropriate to have to even be talking about, honestly. But I, I, I credit where credit's due. I got to show you this little compilation that was made by, by, actually, I don't think it was, I'm not sure who it was made, actually, by, but there's a few Fox clips because they had the pool camera there. And uh, it, it was... um. Really quite something to see. I want you to see sort of the highlights, if you would, of this crazy, insane day. I think that this goes down in history as probably the craziest hearing of modern times. I mean, it was wild, right? It was ruckus. And like nobody's watching their language. And I'm like, are they going to start like fist fighting at some point? It was insane. And we had a few highlights. So... Take a look with me here. Who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, Second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls. I think that, uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. The only folks that are afraid to hear from the witness with the American people watching are my friends on the other side of the aisle. Excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, (laughs) Oh. I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong, conservative Republican women. Pornographic photos allowed to be displayed in this committee room, Mr. Chairman? It's not pornography. Okay, well, you're the expert. I'll return from Hunter. I'm not an expert, Mr. Whoa. I just like it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I feel like I'm in Alice in Wonderland after that. Oh, look at the look on Gomer's face. He's like, oh, did, did you catch that? What was it Raskin? Little Raskin guy? I mean, like, really? Like, this is what it's come to. I mean, hey, like, this beats any soap opera on daytime television, ladies and gentlemen. Like, who needs, who needs entertainment when you get politicians like this? 
That was really, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. And you know what? He walked out of there still a free man. We still have a lot of questions that need to be answered. And she's, um, it, it's weird, the whole, like, privilege thing. And like, why people, you know what? The privilege thing I get. I hate when anybody, like, let's not, let's, let's not go there. I realize the other side wants to divide us, and it's black, white, male, female, this, that, purple, green, whatever. But I, I, don't, I don't like that, right? I do get the privilege thing. Because he's a totally privileged, pompous, you know what, in more ways than one. He's just, he's, and and honestly, like, he's a bad guy. And I'm going to say he's a bad guy. We know he's a bad guy. Because he would not take care of his child. So there, you had me at that. Right? You got a kid, and you're trying to nickel and dime the mother of that child and that child for that child's future. This is an irresponsible person, aside from the purchasing of a firearm while being on drugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, aside from the, the taking of the $83,000 board job when you don't know anything about the natural gas industry, et cetera, et cetera. He's just a bad guy because of what he did with his family. Oh, and we, we didn't even talk about the brother's widow. <laughs> right? like, that's old news. I'm just, I'm sorry, like, Joe Biden, I get it. You know, you feel bad, you're screw-up, son. No one would want their child to turn out like that. And I'm not necessarily going to blame you for it. A lot of people would, but I'm not going to blame you for it. I'm just going to blame you for this. Why the heck did you stay in politics? Why the heck are you the president of the United States when you get a kid who's so messed up and you know his future is going to be worse off the more public you are? Why'd you do it, buddy? Really? Is your ego that big? Probably. Did you want your wallet to be that big? That's alleged. That's alleged, right? We got to be careful with that. But that's why we need questions to be answered. And I still feel like we're not getting there. We're wasting a whole lot of time with a whole lot of theatrics. And yes, it was a three ring circus starring Hunter Biden who came in and then left out. Can we watch him leave again? I, I'm going to have the team just run this one more time because you get to see this. Like he went there, right? It was like this whole stampede, all the reporters like asking him crazy questions. Questions that, well, we're, we're not even going to play for you because they're so crazy. But anyway, they're asking him all these questions. He storms into the, the hearing and then he storms out. Let's watch. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair, recognize Ms. Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So Marjorie gets called. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here goes. Oh. I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. Too bad. Oh, we would have loved to have heard from him, right? Wow. Okay. Listen. That's nuts. It's nuts. But there's more stuff going on that's nuts. New today, just breaking, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, has been banned from speaking in his own defense in the closing arguments of the fraud trial. So uh, there's so many trials, it's kind of hard to keep track of them. But this one was kind of important because this was the New York trial in which you had a woman who who was really, really aggressive in terms of wanting to go after him 
Well, they, they all are. I mean, there's a woman down in Georgia who, oh, oof, allegations about her out in the Wall Street Journal today about some impropriety. Apparently, somebody that she's alleged to have had a thing with, well, the ex-wife is now demanding that she testify, that would be Fannie Willis, in court. So um, I, I don't know what it is. Like, there's like romance in the air. You go after Trump and suddenly, you know, Lisa... Page or Peter struck and Lisa Page, I think I got those names right. Lisa and Peter, right? Like they took up. And then allegedly, you have the woman down in Georgia, Fannie Willis, who takes up with a prosecutor. She's got, I mean, alleged. <laughs> Wall Street Journal is a big thing on it. I digress. The important thing is the guy that actually is being threatened with a $350 million fine and closing of all his businesses, the former president of the United States, is not allowed to defend himself. I mean, what are we coming to? What, you can't take to the... And now, I would get, right, if your lawyer is like, you know what, you know, Donald, we're a little worried about what you might say, <laughs> how you might relate to the judges. Like, that I get. But when the judges prevent him from speaking, well, that's kind of like un-American, wouldn't you say? I mean, don't you think? And especially in this particular case, because what's interesting about this one is there's really no crime, or, or at least no damages. So you could say, all right, it's a crime. He lied on those forms when he was trying to get a loan. He said the square footage of his house was X when really it was Y. Of course, there was a little asterisk there that said, okay, bank, that would be Deutsche Bank, you got to go and do your own diligence. And without doing that due diligence, we, we can't be held responsible. It's kind of like when you get a mortgage, right? You go and get a mortgage, and somebody comes and, and appraises the home. You say, okay, I think my home is worth $500,000. And you want 500000 from the bank. Well, what does the bank do? It goes and gets an appraiser to see if your home is really worth $500,000. And if the appraiser says it's not, then you're not going to get the loan. If the appraiser says it is, in fact, I think it's worth 600000 then you, know, you might even get a bigger loan. But that's what happens, right? The bank takes on the risk. And you try to be as accurate as possible. I mean, you shouldn't be lying, obviously, on forms. But is this really what you're going to find them $350 million over? Again, the bank got paid back with interest. So everybody made money. But it's not about, it's not about the actual crime anymore. It's about getting Trump. And now Donald Trump can't even, can't even speak in his own defense. It's, it's bizarre. You know what else is really bizarre? This one, I was so shocked when I saw this story. It crossed last night, and I was so stunned. And normally I'd, like, tweet it out or say something to you guys, but I'm very careful and very cautious in this environment because you always want to make sure things are correct. And I thought, this can't really be happening. It, it can't actually. This, this wouldn't really be happening, right? Where uh, the immigration situation, we know how bad it is. We know that the administration is taking a ton of heat for it, and you would think they would be mindful of that, and they would be cautious about, oh, I don't know, how it might look if you displace American school children and take them out of school because you need to make room for illegal, undocumented migrants that just arrived in this country. Well, well that's what happened. That's what happened last night in New York City, in Brooklyn, actually. I need to show you this. Again, I didn't think it was real. Like, I was like, 
honestly, this really, this really, and so of course it is. And I had to like triple check everything and I was sending it around to some friends and I want you to see it because it really captures the trouble that we are in as a nation, the trouble that we face by not actually having borders. Watch. How does it feel that you kicked all the kids out of school tomorrow? How does it feel? You feel good? I hope you feel good. I this hope you sleep really well tonight. Our kid's not going to have school to go to. Where are you yelling at them? She's so videoing. That's why. That's why. Because I'm an aggravated mother. She does That's have a There are other mothers there too. And they've got their kids. The kids' faces are being protected, which is important. We don't want to show the children, but we got other families. And there was a storm, a bad storm in the Northeast last night. And so these families were moved in to this school and it made one parent really mad and it was her right to be mad and you know what she should be mad but you understand the complexity of it given that there's other moms there with their kids this is a messed up situation by the way it's it's messed up because we made it messed up because we invited everyone here i mean joe biden come one come all you know the border's open hey amnesty amnesty we're, we're giving it out like candy and you'll get health care and you'll get a hotel for six months maybe a cell phone too and then, you know, you can come to your trial in 10 years' time. It's an open invitation with no regard for the economic well-being of the people that are already here in this country. It makes no sense. It is a massive, huge mistake on all sides. In other words... This isn't good for anyone. It's not good to encourage people to come here if we can't actually take care of them, support them, and we shouldn't have to. Like maybe part of the whole immigration package should be, okay, where are you going to stay? Do you have a home to go to? Do you have family? Like why can't we streamline this a little bit better? Why do we just have swarms of people, 300,000 in the month of December alone, an all-time record coming in. And then Gavin Newsom, who, by the way, may wind up as VP on the ticket alongside Michelle Obama, if J.P. Morgan is to be believed. J.P. Morgan is predicting an analyst over there that Joe Biden bows out. And I think J.P. Morgan's right on that. I actually think he will bow out at some point. And so you're going to have maybe Michelle, maybe Gavin. Gavin, who's offering Free healthcare to 740,000 undocumented people in the state of California. This is stuff that the state of California cannot actually afford. You look at New York City. Overwhelming challenges at the hospitals in New York City right now because they're saying all the beds are being taken by so many undocumented migrants who don't have insurance. So I get it. Like, it's a complex economic problem. But you could fix the problem if you actually said, all right, we're going to have a system that doesn't allow people to just pour into this country like they are doing right now, but nobody's willing to do that. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Oh, maybe it's because of this. There was a Brooklyn congresswoman. By the way, that that school that you just saw, that was in Brooklyn. Hang on. Before I go to the Brooklyn congresswoman, one other thing I got to show you. I just got to show you. 
The school was supposed to be closed down and everybody was going to have Zoom online classes. That didn't happen. Take a look here. Courtesy Libs of TikTok, they say tomorrow, Wednesday, January 10th, 2024, all classes will be remote. So everybody thinks, okay, remote, like we're going to have a live teacher and we're going to talk. Nope, nope, nope. You're going to go to your Google Classrooms for your required assignments. The completion of your assignments will dictate your attendance for the day. So you just have to do the assignments. Teachers will be available via Zoom if requested prior by email. It's like a snow day. The teachers union's like, woohoo, we get the day off party. I mean, you've seen the stats, right, on where our kids are right now? Our kids are falling behind at record rates, especially when it comes to math and science. American kids are way behind everyone, and they're, they're falling even more. And by the way, in poor communities in the United States of America, they felt the brunt of it because they were out of school the most. Teachers unions didn't want to go back. I mean, you have to actually show up in the classroom for work. We can't just do this all via computer. Come on. They've got equitable math that they're featuring these days in so many states, which I joke is pathetic and has a lot to do with, you know, why does one plus one really have to equal two? Maybe you can see the answer as something different. Maybe it's because they don't want anybody to actually, actually know that we hit $34 trillion worth of debt. They don't actually want you to know what that means. Speaking of which, I told you, our sponsor on this show, we love them. They've been here from the very beginning, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles Thorngren, he's going to come back on the show next week. He's the CEO of the company, and they, they'll help you invest in gold or silver. Listen, with inflation being what it is, with equitable math helping us to ignore the $34 trillion in debt outstanding in this country, Hey, you know what? You might want to diversify just a little bit. You might want to think about things like that. If you're thinking about it, I know I have diversified. I've done this for years. I got a great story about my mom. I told her like, oh, we're going on like 30 years ago now. Mom, buy gold. Buy gold. Actually, just 23. It was around the year 2000. And she's like, eh. and I'm like, no, really. <laughs> buy gold. Anyway, um, it's a long, it's a long-term investment. Think of it that way. But I, and, and you should do your own diligence, et cetera. I don't want to be misconstrued as giving you direct investment advice, but I do think diversification is important. And one of the things that you need to think about is how much is your dollar going to be worth in the future, right? So if you're worried about that, gold is one of the diversification tools you can use to help even out those things. one 5890560 And you're welcome to use my name. Of course, you can tell them I sent you, they will take good care of you. But back to matters at hand. So we got a messed up school system. And we are now in an era where we matter so little, I guess, that our kids are getting shortchanged for all these other reasons. And, and maybe, this, maybe the school is just the most sort of graphic example I can think of right now. I mean, again, I was stunned to see that. But and hopefully those kids are back in school tomorrow. But I think it, it speaks volumes about everything that's happening. Because if you're living in a border town in Texas, and all these people are coming in, and your hospital can't support them, and your school can't support them, and suddenly your kid's classroom goes from 20 kids to 40 kids, 
maybe more, and maybe not everybody speaks English? What happens to your kid's education? We've got to be mindful of these things. I mean, I, I hate to break it to everybody. There's a reality here that we've got to think about. But the reality I'm thinking about, which is like, let's look out for ourselves, let's be realistic, let's not be anti-immigration, but let's think about this holistically, right? Like how do we help our country by bringing in more people and more people who want to embody the American spirit? And then there are politicians like this Democrat, this congresswoman in Brooklyn. By the way, that school was in Brooklyn. She's basically, she's basically saying what you're not supposed to say. I mean, it's like really, you know, they try and tell us it's, it's not about getting more votes. It would never be about that. It's just being altruistic and kind, and shouldn't we just bring everybody in? And yet this congresswoman just flat out came out and said it. She said this. All right, let's, let's play this, and we'll react. From Brooklyn, New York, we have a diaspora that, that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And, I, that, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, 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 the doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the inn, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could, could clearly uh, fit here. Got it? I need more members in my district Clearly, just for redistricting purposes. Well, I'm glad we cleared that one up, right? I mean, might as well get the truth out there. Tell us what it's really about. Because it can't possibly be about protecting the people that are actually there, given that you're canceling school. School, again, it's a small example. And I understand those people needed shelter. But if we can't think this through, if we don't have a system to absorb all these people, then why are we bringing so many in? Because of what that lady just said? And if that's the case, and I believe for a lot of people it is, it's pure politics. If that's the case, then we need to vote them out, like yesterday, because they're not looking out for us, for our families, for our children. They're looking out for their own behinds and want to figure out how they're going to stay in office and make their six-figure salaries for the next however many years. And if they can do that by dividing us, if they can do that by bringing in more people that they think will join their ranks and give them handouts and keep them just down enough to keep on giving them the same. I've seen it, guys. I've seen it. I've seen it in many, many Latin American countries. Venezuela, of course, top of mind. I've done a lot of reporting there. And what do they do in a socialist government like that? They give you just enough. Incidentally, what did Hugo Chavez do when he first came to power? I was a, a young analyst. I just sort of started out on Wall Street. It was like 1999 going into 2000, and I was trading Latin American debt. Venezuela was one of the co countries that we covered. And this was back in the day when you could actually trade it, right? You can't anymore, although that might have most recently changed. But there's been all kinds of issues with sanctions, et cetera. So we're trading this stuff, and we're trying to assess 
what exactly Hugo Chavez is going to mean for the economy. And we had it wrong. Our synopsis at the time was, okay, he can't be that bad. I mean, we should really worry about Lula because Lula was like a union leader and a socialist, blah, 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 down in Brazil. Um, this is first time going around for Lula. We'll re- really worry about that. But maybe, maybe Chavez, like maybe he's not that bad. Oh, he was that bad and more. What did he do? He went around, he took properties that he wanted. Yeah, confiscated them for the state effectively in in kind of some legal maneuvers, kind of like what we see in New York right now, right? Donald Trump losing all his properties, having to pay 350 million bucks. Come on. Seen this movie before a few too many times in too many bad places, I am afraid. Oh, then the other thing he did was he stacked the court. So he just kept adding judges to the court. So all his cronies got on there. I mean, the place is just a mess. I mean, it's such a sad story because Pedevesa, which was an amazing oil company at one point, they're sitting on so much oil, more oil, frankly, in the Orinoco region in Venezuela than you've got in Saudi Arabia, and yet they can't get the darn stuff out of the ground. Why? Because he put his cronies in place. Nobody actually cared about making real money. Nobody cared about investing in technology. They kicked every American and every European company out And when I hear some of the rhetoric today, when I think about what Joe Biden was saying in South Carolina, for goodness sakes, I think about all those speeches I heard from Hugo Chavez. I spent a lot of time there. I was trying to get an interview, and they kept telling me, mañana, mañana, mañana. So I'd go to these speeches, and yo hablo español, so I speak Spanish, I'd listen. It'd be like, he'd take me through hundreds of years. And I'm like, wait a second, where are we now? Oh, we're only at 1640. We made it to 1776. Oh, those big bad Americans, those colonists up there in America. They're coming to get us in Venezuela. I mean, that was the whole thing. It was divide, 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 divide. The rich versus the poor. And those bad Americans and those bad Europeans, they took from you. And we need to take it back. I mean, a very, very similar style campaign to what we are starting to hear from Joe Biden. And perhaps we're hearing that from Joe Biden. Why? Oh, because he's got nothing else. He's got nothing else, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing else at all. I'll tell you, it is pretty darn sad, really sad. So there's this tremendous video of an MSNBC anchor who clearly does not like Trump. She's made that very, very clear over and over again, doesn't like his policies, doesn't like anything about him. I mean, she used to until he actually won, I think like, She and her, uh, is he her hubby now? Like over on MSNBC, like they went and spent time at Mar-a-Lago. They were all buddies with Trump until it actually got serious and he actually won and he beat Clinton. And it was like, oh my gosh. So she had to read off on the prompter what the poll numbers were the other day. And it's like classic. I'm going to get to that in a second. But first, before I do, because we've had so much negative news, right? I want to tell you a little bit of good stuff. We could use a little good news these days, and there is a podcast that I have discovered that I love. By the way, I told you in the notes, if you would go and make sure that you get the uh, the Apple podcast, the Trish Regan Show, make sure you subscribe, by the way, we'll put the little subscribe button up there. Give it a thumbs up, share this clip, hit the bell if you see the bell on the screen if you're watching on video, because the bell will tell you when I am here, when I am live, and we've established a nice little group. I'm going to go out to some of your questions and comments. You can ask me anything there at the end of the show. But while you're there, 
subscribing to The Trish Regan Show on Apple. There is a fantastic podcast that I discovered called Great American Stories, Our American Stories. It's called Our American Stories. You can find it again anywhere you get your podcasts. You don't have to go to Apple. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Google, anywhere. And there are these cool, like, rich stories about America's past, America's present, about tremendous people, about tremendous companies. And it helps remind us, I think, and this is important, like, it's, it's partly, you know, like I go to church every Sunday for a whole variety of reasons. But one of the reasons I go is I really like to feel grounded and inspired. And this isn't a religious show, but it's got that kind of component in that it is inspiring. When you hear these stories, right, you start to think about what's good in this world and how more good can come from it. And so I love it. It's called, as I said, Our American Stories. And there's, there's no news. There's no debate. There's none of this craziness. It's just wholesome, good stuff about how people get to where they are. And look, these stories are amazing because it's often really hard. Like, it doesn't happen overnight. Most entrepreneurs I've talked to, like, they start a zillion companies before the one that actually works takes off. It's not always easy. These are interesting characters and interesting people. I mean, one of the, just one of the ones I'm going to tell you about, you'll get like three or four stories. It's amazing in each episode. But one was about Abraham Lincoln and his last days, um, or his last actual day, like the actual day of his life. It, it kind of resonated with me because I was just recently in New Hampshire, in Exeter, New Hampshire, and there's a big plaque at the town hall showing that this was like one of the last places he spoke. It might have been the second to last. I mean, it, was, it was like one of the last places he spoke right before he passed away. So I love it. Like I love history. I love understanding what makes things and people work. So I really do encourage you to listen to this podcast, to find this podcast, by the way, to find mine as well. You will not be disappointed. It's called Our American Stories. Wherever you get your podcast, again, Our American stories. We are a special place. All right. So I got to show you this other thing. This is perfect. Um, it's no secret that MSNBC and the rest of the mainstream media and, well, frankly, all the legacy media despises Donald Trump. That's something that's very clear. It's like an institutional bias, right, against Donald Trump. And there are a lot of reasons for it, and we've talked about it in the past, but Think about this right now. Breitbart actually had a story that highlighted how successful Donald Trump has been in the last 10 weeks. So every single poll that came out, you see that? Net favorability remains superior to President Biden's. This is according to Morning Consult, which found this. For the last 10 straight weeks, I mean, Trump is more popular than Joe Biden for 10 straight weeks. Now that's saying something because if people are actually saying, I'm going to vote for Trump or I like Trump better, or, I like Trump's policies better. If they're actually coming full out and saying that, that probably means he's doing even better than you think, right? Because a lot of people still don't want to admit that. So the polling is not totally, totally in sync with really where the population is. So the Democrats have a bit of an emergency situation going on. And the establishment media is really terrified. And they don't understand it. They're like, why, 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 why? 
Would Donald Trump possibly be leading Joe Biden for 10 straight weeks in these polls? So this is classic. I, I, I just, I, I got such a kick out of seeing this woman's face. So she's an anchor on MSNBC. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't know what's wrong with her. Like she's reading the prompter and she's so horrified by what she has to read that she can like barely get the words out. And listen to how she says the word evangelical. I mean, there's such distaste on her face. It's remarkable. Let's cue this one up. You'll get a laugh. Iowa caucuses. New polling shows former President Trump making larger inroads with two key groups when compared to 2016. Evangelicals and first-time caucus goers. NBC News national political correspondent Steve Kornacki is with us from the big board. Steve, what are the latest polls showing us about Trump's gain with these two groups? I'm just... I... I'm, I have no words for evangelical voters at this point. It, it's a, just in terms of the numbers on this, I'll show you here in a second, it is a dramatic, uh, pick your adjective, dramatic turnaround, I'll, I'll say since 2016, in terms of where Trump stands with the evangelicals. We've seen this is nationally, and right I think now? it's the biggest story in Iowa. Just as a refresher, eight years ago, <laughs> Iowa caucuses, first time in the 2016, uh, first contest of the 2016 uh, process. Remember, Trump lost Iowa. He came in second to Ted Cruz. He barely held off Marco Rubio for third place. Remember, there were a couple days there after Iowa in 2016. People were saying, hey, maybe this Trump thing will all fall apart. He ended up winning New Hampshire, turning it around. But the reason, the overriding reason that Donald Trump lost Iowa in 2016 is right here. This is the exit poll from the caucuses. This is the evangelical vote. About 64 percent of the Iowa Republican electorate in 2016 was evangelical. And look, Ted Cruz won it. He won it by double digits, 34 to 22 over Donald Trump. So Cruz with a double digit win among evangelicals. There was a lot of resistance, a lot of skepticism. Trump had some support with evangelicals, but Cruz was okay. the candidate of the evangelical. So the evangelicals don't have Ted Cruz there now. And they're going with Trump. And for some reason, for some reason, this particular anchor is so horrified. I mean, honestly, I thought she was going to cry. I'm like, wait, what's, what's going on? Is she all right? Is, is there something in her throat? Does she need a glass of water? Is she just sick to her stomach? What's going on? She can't spit out the word evangelical? Oh, my gosh. So I just thought it was kind of funny. I mean, it showcases how much they really dislike him. But the more they dislike him, the better he does, all right? So that's what they can't figure out. It, it, the more they go after him, the more power they're actually giving him. Because people look at it and say, wow, like, what is wrong with my country? What is wrong with my country when, for goodness sakes, you can't even defend yourself in the closing arguments? You can't actually take the stand and, and, and offer your own defense? They're not going to allow you to? They're going to attack you every which way to Sunday. All over the country, they're going to take you off the ballot in Colorado and Maine. That one probably is going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they decide that. I would just say fundamentally, I think it's really bizarre. When you're electing a national candidate, granted, I'm all about limited power. Believe me, live free or die in New Hampshire is where I come from, baby, right? That's a, a plug for the, the shop, <laughs> the Trish Regan, Trish Regan store. Um, Link below, by the way. Anyway, I, I, I look at it and I say, hey, you know what? 
while we want to embolden states to make their own decisions, believe me, limited federal power is really important. We also have to be mindful that you, you can run into situations with a lot of rogue actors and a lot of big money that makes sure these rogue actors actually get appointed, and then they have their own political biases. And so we can turn around and say, well, anybody's an insurrectionist. I mean, Republicans are talking about doing that right now. Down in Texas, they're like, you know what? Joe Biden, he can't be on the ballot. He, how can he be on the ballot in Texas? Because it's fundamentally wrong what's happening in this country. And so he's an insurrectionist because he's allowing our state to be taken over and our border to be run over. So if you go by that logic, my point is, and hey, like I admire them for trying to fight fire with fire, if you would. But if you go by that logic, then every single state could say, well, nope, I want him, I want her, I don't want him, I don't want her, and you're going to have complete chaos if we don't have that already, which I'm pretty sure we do, right? I want to go out to some of your questions. Hey, make sure, if you haven't subscribed, do me that favor. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You'll make Don's day, by the way, because Don is always saying to everybody, Make sure you subscribe to the show. Don, have we actually gotten above that 177 now? I think we did. What do you know? Ding, 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 ding. 178, 178,000 subscribers. So again, it's been a tough sort of road in the last thousand or so. So whatever you guys can do just to just to make sure that you uh, spread the word, spread the word. I'm reading and talking at the same time because I'm looking at some of your at some of your comments Somebody pointing out Ecuador. I was just looking at some video, Hightower of Ecuador. By the way, thank you for being a, what do we call ourselves? What was that? Like um, the Tristies, the, the, the Swifties, the Tristies. We were talking about Taylor Swift the other day. So thank you for joining the, the Tristy Club or Reaganites, as Don likes to call it. Reaganites, really. Reaganites. Um, Anyway, Hightower is making the point about Ecuador. I mean, I, I saw this video and it's just wild. There's like gangs taking over Ecuador right now. It's so insane. And it's liberalism, frankly, gone wild. I actually know a lot about Ecuador. I've got a lot of good sources there um, and friends that have property there, et cetera. So I'm going to make some phone calls on that, Hightower, and I will get back to you. Maybe we need to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Steven, good to see you back here. I've seen you on Facebook as well. Good to see you here on YouTube. And, and Don, um, you guys are talking about cryptos now. That's interesting. Um, maybe because I was talking about gold. All pretty interesting in light of, I think I showed you yesterday, what Christine Lagarde was saying about how they want to have the digital euro. And they're introducing that. And basically, they're going to make it impossible for you to spend any money at all without the government being aware of it. So a little intrusive, just, you know, a little bit intrusive. Um, again, I'm just reading through some of your stuff. Thank you, Bobby. That is very kind of you to say. You know, I will never turn down a compliment, and I really do appreciate it. Really, really, really do appreciate it. Look, I mean, Scott's making the point about God, family, country, transparency, accountability, Look, there's so much there. Scott, hello to everybody in Arizona. There is so much there, right, in terms of what we have done in the past and what we can continue to do in the future. I really do think, I really do think that when push comes to shove, Americans make the right decisions. We always have in the past and will continue to do so. But it's getting harder and harder in that 
it's 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 tricky. I mean, you have a, a system that really is kind of stacked against, for whatever reason, the average American. And the average American is sad because you look at the Democrat Party right now, and they used to be a party filled with union members and hard workers and sort of your everyday folks. And that's just sort of kind of gone and like willingly gone. I mean, I think they're willing to just say, see you guys, we don't like y'all. All you sort of blue collar Americans, you're not with us anymore. Truck drivers, forget about it. I mean, like, I think a lot of truck drivers actually voted for Clinton. In fact, I looked at these numbers recently and it was really quite remarkable. When you look at the the percentages of, of voters and sort of what demo boxes they checked, I mean, it, it, the Clinton Democrat Party, I think, is actually, as much as I don't like Clinton, <laughs> the guy did actually, with Newt Gingrich's help, of course, balance the budget. Imagine that could ever get done today. Anyway, um, all his issues, <laughs> including his wife, aside, all of that aside, I mean, it was a very different kind of party than the Democrat Party you have now. And I blame Barack Obama for that. I actually blame him entirely because I think that he really tapped into in his grassroots organizer, political socialist kind of way, he tapped into this race issue in a way that is, in my opinion, extremely negative, extremely divisive, and has taken our country down this wild path. And it's one which, you know, I hope we can recover from. You see, there's a headline in the Wall Street Journal today saying that ESG has become like a dirty word on Wall Street. I'm glad. And you know what else is going to become a dirty word? DEI. Because we need to re-examine our values, re-examine sort of what we're all about. We, you know, look, I, I would just say we are not a prejudiced country overall. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. Yes, of course, like all kinds of things exist. But for the most part, that's really not how Americans are wired. And if you look at the data, Americans thought we were in a pretty decent place, blacks and whites I mean, and Hispanics. Like you can break all these things down and the studies show that prior to 2013, prior to Obama, Obama really going into high gear on this race stuff, we were in a pretty good place. But then, you know, he, I think, recognized the political opportunity after Ferguson and the rest soon followed. And this is what they're going to push. And that that is frightening. Now I sound like them, right? It's frightening, it's frightening, it's frightening, and the sky is falling. But like in our case, it really is true in that there is so much sort of political power at stake. This is such a massive power grab by the people, these so-called elites that have been in charge and want to continue being in charge. And so they, they don't even realize sometimes what they're doing to themselves, frankly. I mean, I think that if they really were to take a step back and think about the damage that is being done to society, maybe they would think twice, but nobody actually is taking that time out, right? They just want to win again. And so it's unfortunate. It's where we are, but hopefully, I mean, I believe in America. I believe in all of these individuals. And I think that ultimately we're all going to get out there and vote and we're going to, we're going to show them, right? A true start. I like it, Stephen. All right. Hey, great to have you all here. Thank you, Hightower, for joining the uh, the, the Tristy Reganite Club. Uh, thank you to, to so many familiar faces. Good to see you again, Delise. Good to see you, Scott. And we will resume this conversation. I will be here with you tomorrow, indeed. There's a lot to talk about. I'll see you then. <laughs>